This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning and welcome to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. On the show today, we're going to be talking about things you should know before you start a company in Malaysia, like how to obtain licenses, tax registration and planning, things to consider when hiring staff and visa requirements when dealing with foreign talent. All this plus why Malaysia should be where you set up your business. And to do this with me, I have Adam Tay and Lim Pei Hao from We Corporate. We Corporate is a corporate services firm similar to your big four with a focus on SMEs and startups. And they specialize in financial advisory for things like business valuation, fundraising for SMEs and startups. And they're going to walk us through all the fine print that entrepreneurs and business owners don't tell you about when starting a company in Malaysia. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Now, just to kick things off, maybe you want to tell us a bit more about We Corporate and uh, the kind of clients you serve and the kind of work you do. Hi, Audrey. Thank you for having us. Uh, I'm Pei Hao, uh, one of the directors of We Corporate, and uh, I have Adam here as well. Um, so yeah, so basically, We Corporate is a corporate services firm uh, with a focus on uh, SME and startup market, right? Uh, we are founded about four years ago, and currently we have around seven to eight hundred clients in our portfolio. Uh, we specialize in financial advisory, and we assist our clients in accounting, right, setting up company, uh, and taxation. Right. Now, um, just to kick things off, and since we're talking about starting uh, a company or starting a business in Malaysia, right off the bat, I just want to know: is it easy to start a company in Malaysia compared to, say, some of our regional neighbors? Hey, 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 Audrey, thanks. In Malaysia, it's relatively easy to set up um, an entity, right? We, we are not, to be honest, we are almost on par with uh, Singapore. So to set up a uh, sole proprietorship or partnership, it takes a day. Uh, to set up like a Sandrine Bahad or a LP, it takes maybe three working days. So the, the process is relatively straightforward as well. Can the process be done online or do we have to register in person? What is that like when it comes to the ease of registering? Okay, um, for, for the initial setup, most, most of the time you can done online. However, when you, when you first register your account as an individual, you, do requ- you are required to visit to the Companies Commission's Malaysia uh, branch to perform a biometrics verifications. Right, so this is the SSM, your, right? Yes, correct. This is the SSM. So once you have done that, then you can you so far have an account and you can register online or all the matters can be resolved online. Okay, so what are the first steps uh, to incorporate a legal entity? And maybe you can even um, tell me more about the pros and cons of each type of legal entity in Malaysia. You know, your, your sole prop, your partnerships, things like that. Sure, Audrey. I think maybe I can go with you know, the, the types that we have, the pros and cons, and then the process, right? Currently in Malaysia, we have uh, predominant four types of structure. Sole proprietorship for individual, conventional partnership for any enterprise that have more than two person, limited liability partnership, what we call LLP, and Sandrine Bahad or private limited equivalent, right? Um, for sole proprietorship and uh, conventional partnership, it is relatively easy to set up, right? And it's really cheap to maintain. Uh, I would say in the range of you know, below 100 ringgit a year for renewal, okay? Um, however, these are very traditional structure and uh, it's unlimited liabilities, unlike LLP and Sunil Bahad. 
what it means by unlimited liability is that you know, if let's say um, you default on your contracts with suppliers or customers, you know, they can they can sue the entity and you will be personally liable for it and might even be declared bankrupt if you cannot fulfill the debt. So this this is the risk with the uh, sole proprietorship and conventional partnership. And on top of that, uh, you also have a tax implication as well because these two structures, it follows your personal tax rate. So it can go to SIS 30%, depends on the chargeable income level. And and this is for the sole prop and uh, partnership, right? And then, of course, how about the limited LOP and syndrome Bahad, right? So in a way, actually, the government is pushing for the ecosystem to be towards more to these two kind of entities because um, companies, Sanjay Bahad, they sort of changed the law in such a way that it allows single direct, director and single shareholders uh, since 2016. Because previously, uh, you always need to have minimum of two shareholders and two directors. So you always see, you know, companies with 99, share, 99 shares going to 1% and one, one share going to another person as a nominee. So the company is changing, uh, the, the government is changing that to sort of uh, encourage people to adopt like syndrome of heart structure. Likewise, limited liability partnership is the same thing as well because it's a fairly new structure introduced back in 20, 2012. Um, again, it limits, it works like a conventional partnership, but it limits the liability. Yeah. And um, the best thing is when it comes to tax, right, it follows corporate tax rate, right? So if your profit is less than 600000 a year, uh, you enjoy a tax rate of 17%. Anything above 24%. So in terms of tax perspective, uh, it works slightly better as well. Mm. It does seem like uh, the more convenient and, you know, considering the tax rate, the, the better choice. But what would make businesses choose to open a sole prop uh, or a, a partnership instead? Okay. I, I would say, um, let's say someone wants to start a side hobby project. Like you know, side business, you side know, hustle, up, yeah. up, side hustle exactly. So actually, you can start with a sole prop to validate the ideas, etc. It's not, not nothing wrong with that, right? Um, so in terms of like commercial partnership, maybe a few friends again, it's like a side hobby projects. They can form a partnership and, and do it mm. uh, because it's relatively uh, low cost to maintain. So yeah, I would I would say that would be appropriate for those type of uh, venture, right. Now, Pihao, um, maybe you can talk to us about the costs and the maintenance. You know, like Adam just mentioned, um, what do we need to consider before starting a business uh, or starting a company in Malaysia when it comes to costs and uh, annual maintenance? Okay, sure. Yeah, so Audrey, I think, um, I mean, we want, you know, we serve usually the startup market and the SME market, right? And the, I think the most important thing is we want them to be successful. So usually when we uh, meet, meet a company, we will ask them, you know, to calculate the budget first, right, on how much it will require them to start a company. Because there are a lot of costs, you know, in terms of starting a company and also maintaining a company, right? There is the initial setup cost um, and there is a licensing cost if they are in the certain sectors, right? There is also a capital expenditure and also there's an initial staff cost that they have to consider in terms of running a business, Right. Um, and in addition to that, they have to pay, you know, corporate services provider like us, you know, the annual compliance costs, right? The cost to do accounting, um, yearly audits, yearly taxation, and also company secretary fees, right? Uh, so this is something that we will we will uh, ask them to seek advice, right, before they start up a company, uh, so that they have a budget allocated on the site um, for, for a smooth process, 
right? So what would be good, I think usually we ask them is to prepare a financial projection. It doesn't have to be really complicated, but at least you'll have an idea on the, the runway, right? For, for the next 12 months, for example, right? On the business they intend to set up and also the estimated cash one way uh, that they could they could afford, right? Uh, and, and have no multiple scenarios, for example, you no know, best case scenario, if let's say they have a sales, you know, above certain percentage and also a worst case scenario in case things didn't go as planned, right? Um, because when, when we see a lot of companies every day, right, because most businesses, they go through the initial startup or growth phase, right? Um, because not everybody generates revenue on the first day, right? So there is generally a period where, you know, there are costs to be incurred, especially for the first few months, right, before breaking even at the maturity stage. Um, so this is something that we will we will definitely ask uh, I know companies to 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 or even startup founders to actually think about right and to plan because this is very important for the companies to be successful especially for the first few months of operations, right? And I think what will be also helpful is to you know um I, I think the main thing is you know approach as many people as you can right um if let's say there's a mentor or there's a peer that has been been through it before setting up a business it'd be useful to talk to them. Right. Um, and so probably share with them the financial forecast or financial projections that they have prepared, right? And the costing and the budget, for example. Uh, because most of the time, you know, the peer or the mentor will be able to go through and, and, and let you know if there's any unexpected pitfalls uh, before you even start the business, uh, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Because you want to be sure that you'll be able to afford it. <laughs> Uh, I think, yeah, affording it is to, to start up to start up a company is one thing, but I think it's just more of whether the financials make sense, hmm. right? Um, before, before you know, uh, like what Adam mentioned, so that, I mean, if let's say you have a certain budget, right, certain type of uh, entities will be more suitable, hmm. right? And if let's say you have a bit more budget and you're thinking for the long run, then maybe uh, other entities, uh, uh, for example, Senior Bahad or LLP will be more, will be more, uh, a better option for you. For, for you. All right, we're going to take a quick break for some messages. But when we come back, we dive into tax registrations and tax planning, as well as hiring and human resources. All that and more happening on Resource Centre. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. You are listening to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me today, I have Adam Tay and Lim Pei Hao from We Corporate. Uh, we Corporate is a corporate services firm similar to your big four, but they focus on SMEs and startups. And we've been talking about how to start uh, a company in Malaysia. Now, guys, um, I want to talk about licensing. Now, that seems to be quite daunting. If you've never done it before, you've never started a company before, you might not know what kind of licenses to apply for, what the process is. Maybe you can talk to us about uh, the basics when thinking about licensing. Uh, in terms of licensing, I would, I, would, I would say it's split to two types. One is general and one is uh, sector-specific or industry-specific, right? So the, the general one, the most common would be you know, the local council business license, like B, uh, DBKL or uh, BBJ. So usually for those, this type of license, uh, it comes with a set. So one is a premise license. So premise license really depends on the nature of business or the nature of property that you are using. It can be Vajabatungurusan uh, means um, office license mm -hmm. or factory license, right? And then if you have signboard, 
if you have cyborg, you also need to apply cyborg with the local council. So these are uh, more of a common license. And actually, I from my understanding, like for DBKL, you can actually apply online. You don't even have to visit the office anymore. Okay, yeah. that, that, that it, always helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it varies from local council to local council. Um, mm. So it depends. Yeah. And this information actually, uh, because it's so common, uh, it can you can quite easily find it online as well, right? The process, uh, documents required. And a subset or license uh, is more sector-specific, right? For, for instance, uh, we have clients who are doing um, glasses or contact lens, right? So for those, um, you require, for example, medical device uh, authority license. Right, okay. Right? Yeah. So... For, for this kind of sector specific, it's, it's more challenging for us you know, to, to, to advise right away because we need, what we will always do with the client is um, they'll, they'll describe to us their nature of business and then we will, we will advise accordingly. You know, these are the common license you need to apply. For sector specific, uh, we will run like uh, market studies you know, mm. to, to take all the regu- regu- regulatory uh, checklists. Mm. Yeah. So for the specific one, we we'll, we'll require a bit more... Um, study right okay yeah. you know speaking of um the premises is there anything else that uh, a business owner will need to think about when using the premise the, the office space uh, or, or the address is there anything else that they should consider yeah so in terms of business premise right i think it is very important uh to, to de- decide on the business premise before you start the business and this will depend on the type of business that you're running right uh, especially for you know retail-based businesses, you know food and beverage, uh, clothing retail. Uh, this type of business usually will have to look for well-populated populated areas with uh, good traffic, right? Because you are actually getting customers from from the street, right? Um, but I, and, and also to answer, I think your 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 question on uh, whether there's anything to look out for, right? On the cost perspective, usually rental takes up a big portion, right, of of the budget. Um, so this is something that um, we, we usually will, will let our clients know to, to take into a, or to think about it right in, 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 uh, and take some time to think about it uh, because usually tenancy contracts it will last for a long time right especially for commercial tenancy contracts sometimes it, it, it's uh, two two years plus two years sometimes it is a three year plus three years uh, rental contract right and then once you're buying by it uh, bound by it then then you are basically there for the next you know two to three years. Uh, and 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 uh, so so and also I think uh, one other thing that you probably need to think about is actually, uh, you know, having a professional to look through your landlord's contract, right? Because the landlord's contract actually because we, we look at a lot of uh, contracts from our clients as well, um, is it but it, it differ vastly depending on the negotiation of the the the, the you know the tenant right. Uh, especially for commercial contracts. So it's good to seek uh, professional advice, right, on the expected rental rates and also to look through the fine print, right, uh, whether it will be beneficial or whether if, let's say, certain centers change, uh, will it affect, you know, uh, the business or not, right? If there's any termination clauses or whether there is, you know, a step-up rental, for example, if, let's say, the business did, does, does uh, above a certain amount of revenue in the, in the place. So I think this... This is a very important consideration for business, especially since rental forms a huge part uh, of, of, of the expenses for every company. Right. Okay. 
All right. So I guess now we've registered our business. Uh, we understand and we've budgeted for the financials for the first few years at least. Uh, we know we have the li- required licenses and we've got our business premise as well. Now it's time for us to get the people in to run the business, right? So what do we need to think about when it comes to hiring and human resources uh, when setting up a business? I I think the first thing first is uh, definitely have an employment contract uh, prepared by a professional because I think um, hiring can be quite an important part of business really. Um, so the, the employment contract have to be very, very detailed and clear so that um, there's no dispute. So usually we will advise the, the clients to engage like a professional lawyers to draft it, right? So once you have that, uh, the next thing, of course, is do like job posting. So currently, I think we have seen a lot of clients are using the few, few main job portals, for example, uh, Jobstreet or Walk for um, hiring. It depends and... The, the job portals also, which job portal to use will also depends on the type of uh, talent you, you are trying to recruit. So uh, some portal might be better in uh, technology talent, talents or digital marketing talents. Some are more for like office space, professionals, accountants, uh, I mean staff. Yeah. So that, that is, that is the, the first step. And usually for hiring local is relatively easier. Right, um, we can. If let's say a company is trying to recruit a foreign talent, then the the process is more lengthy. Okay, what does that entail? Yeah. Okay, um, this is assuming that they have um, find the appropriate candidates to join their company, right? So the next step is of course apply what we call employment pass for the for the talent. So, um, in order to apply for employment pass, the company is required to register with the Immigration Department of Malaysia first and apply for like a quota, like how many they can, they can hire. Uh, this process will take between uh, 8 to 10 weeks to get approval. And then once you get the quota, then you apply the employment pass for the candidates. So uh, overall, this process will take maybe 6 to 10 weeks. So all in all, what we are saying is that in order to get, once you identify the candidates, uh, assuming uh, register the quota, up to getting them the pass, it takes maybe three, three months, three to four months. Right, yep. okay. Are there any other considerations when managing your talent in your business? Is there something that might crop up on like year two or year three, you know, when you're trying to manage things like uh, remuneration, bonuses, hiring and firing? Is there anything else that businesses need to consider when it comes to talent management? I think this, this falls back to the employment contract. Uh, why do I say so? It's because uh, usually bonus, for example, bonus is discretionary, uh, dependent on the company performance. In order to determine whether the, the employees uh, entitled for bonus, we will, we will always uh, advise our clients to run uh, appraiser, interim appraiser and uh, year-end appraiser, because this appraiser will sort of form a basis, not just for bonus actually, if let's say they, they come to decisions that they want to terminate the staff, it will provide a raise, um, strong uh, documentation proof that why we want to um, terminate this stuff so that in case this terminated stuff come back and uh, complain we have you have all the documents ready that say that these are the basis for our decision yeah mm. Pei anything to add? 
Yeah, and I think on uh, compliance matters, right? So I think it's very important for companies to get it right from the first day, right? Uh, so when you set up a company, I think it's good to set up your EPF as well, right? Your EPF registration, right? Your tax registration, your SOXO registration from day one, right? Uh, because this is something that has to be done every month. Um, and, and we usually see, you know, uh, startup founders being very busy right at the beginning. They they, they, they they do the hiring, you know, and then they just, just business just go, 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 right? And then they forgot suddenly, hey, how come uh, EPF has not been submitted for the past mm. one year, for example, mm. right? Uh, and then they get into trouble and then they have to come up with the portion of cash to go and pay back for their employees' uh, EPF. So I think, um, it, I mean, uh, from the HR perspective, it is also useful to actually, you know, get all these things registered, right? And all this, some, someone to at least monitor from the admin side, right? Uh, so that all the statutory obligations are being made as well. Right. You know, uh, Pehao, speaking of taxes, uh, what do businesses need to consider? What do uh, entrepreneurs and uh, new business owners need to think about when it comes to tax registration and, and tax planning as well? Okay, sure. Yeah, so in terms of tax registration and tax planning, uh, usually, typically, you need to register from day one, right, to register your company tax and also to register your employer tax numbers with LHDN, um, and this can be registered, you know, uh, once you set up your company, right? Or you can ask your company secretary to register it or your tax agent to register it for you, right? And I think it is also important to um, basically maintain records, right, of all your income and expenses in a very systematic manner, right? Because this will actually help in your tax submission at the end of the financial year. Um, so it is, I mean, uh, because at, at the moment, I think, um, you know, for, for more established companies, they have, uh, you know, in-house finance team that does all of this, right? Uh, but for, uh, for startup or for SME business, um, this is something that, you know, uh, we commonly see that it's not being practiced 100%, right? So this is something that we continuously advise people, you know, keep your records, right? Because you need to keep your records statutory for eight, uh, seven years, right? Uh, because uh, at least you have the right to actually audit, right? Um, or, or to come and audit. Um, your, your records, your income and your expenses, right? And it's so easy to store store everything now in the cloud nowadays, right? Uh, so you just create a, create a folder on the cloud and just save everything there. So I think this is very good practice that we usually uh, let people know. Uh, register your tax and save everything. And and we usually I will encourage uh, you know businesses to engage a, a tax agent, right? At the end of every year to complete the tax computation, right? So that they can actually maximize all the tax incentives that the company can receive. Because the government actually gives a lot of incentives, right? Especially to SME, right? Um, so it's it's about you know paying the right amount of tax, right? So we see businesses, some of them they overpay their taxes because they haven't claimed the full tax incentives. Uh, some of them underpay their taxes because they are they are not paying in the correct figure into their tax computation, right? So we will usually uh, advise, right? Uh, you know, spend a bit of money, right? Uh, to engage a professional tax agent to complete it for you. Right, or an accountant to look at it for you, uh, just to avoid, uh, you know, for example, if you're, you're submitting, you, if you're underpaying tax, you actually will get penalty, right? Um, so it's, it's just all, all these things that we, we think would be uh, good for, 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 for them to, 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 to look at. Mm. But um, so can I just be clear here, Peihao, even if your business is not earning enough to be taxed, you still want to ensure that you have all your receipts and you have everything stored away in a systematic manner, even if you um, don't earn enough income to be taxed. Yes, correct. 
Uh, because tax submissions are actually required, right? Even though the business have not been profitable uh, in year one, for example, you still have to file your tax, mm. right? And it's also important for, for example, a company to uh, file the taxes, even though it's loss-making, because the losses that you generate in your first year could be carried forward to offset your income if you make a uh, profit in your second year right, or mm. your third year. Mm. So it's actually very beneficial to, to record everything down uh, from your first day. Okay. All right. Um, good to have that clarified. Um, now, guys, um, you have been dealing with, you, you deal with hundreds of, of clients who are in the startup and SME sector. What would you say um, has been the biggest challenge for them when starting a new business or starting a new company in Malaysia? What have you seen in your experience as like the major struggles uh, these entrepreneurs or business owners go through, especially in the first three years of business? Okay, maybe I can I can take that first and Adam can add on, right? Um, I think you know, um, usually especially if they are a first time entrepreneur, right? Uh, there's so many things to be done at one time, right? You have to go and register your company, you have to go and register your taxes, you have to go and handle your staffing, right? And do all your licensing. It's just so many things at one time, right? Uh, and you have to find your customers as well. <laughs> um, so there's so many things at one time. Uh, so usually, um. It's important to actually dedicate some of the work, right, to someone who has done it. For example, a corporate services firm like us, right. So we will be able to handle all your back office operations. So the client will be able to focus just on purely on getting the clients, right, and getting the income that they need. Yeah, so they can focus uh, on their business while while you focus on helping them set up their business. That's correct, and, and doing all the admin admin related stuff, right? You know, payroll mm-hmm. uh, registration, HR, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, so this is what we have been trying to 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 offer, right? Trying to help, uh, especially first time entrepreneurs, right? And to also guide them through the process, uh, to make it as seamless as possible, uh, as painless as possible through the process. And guys, you know what happens sometimes? Eight out of ten startups they don't make it through the first year of business, and you know they decide maybe they want to pivot uh, or they just want to close shop. What do business owners need to consider when they decide to end a business? I would say I think the first thing is, of course, to make sure uh, to have all the debts to be cleared off, right? Especially salary due to staff. This mm. is very important because the, the likelihood remains if you don't pay. Even you close, close down the company, you remain there. So it's always good to have a listing of what are the outstandings and uh, and setting it off, right? So this is on the financial side. Um, subsequently, is to close all the files with all the relevant agency. For example, EPF, uh, SOXO, uh, EIS, and as well as the tax authority. So basically, when you when when the company decides to close down, they will have to do like a final accounts, right? And submit this to the uh, tax authority to request to get a tax clearance. Basically, it means that, you know, the LHDM has checked, you don't have any more uh, tax deal, and they give you, like, a tax clearance letter. So with this, then you move to the SSN to apply officially to close down the company. Yeah, right. so this process will take uh, a few months, usually. Right. And, you know, are there any penalties if you decide to not go to SSM and close that or not go to the tax authorities and close the necessary? You just leave things kind of um, in limbo 
while you maybe consider wanting to restart the business at another point, you know, maybe you feel like right now it's the pandemic. I'm just not going to do anything for now. I'm going to wait for two years and then I might start the business again. Um, can you just leave things in limbo? Uh, be honest, you can't really do it. Uh, just leave it there. Um, if you, in the way, based on what you're describing, let's say uh, I want to keep the company so-called dormant, no, no, no activities, yeah. right? Yeah. You're still required to do the, uh, the audit report filing, the tax filing, even though it's zero or loss making, you still have to uh, comply with the law. If not, there will be penalty uh, mm. and you affect uh, your credit standing as well. Uh, now, guys, before I let you go, um, maybe you can share some advice with aspiring entrepreneurs out there or people who are looking to start a new business in Malaysia on, on how to get started. I think I can go first. Yeah, so I think, you know, starting a company actually is really easy in Malaysia, right? Uh, so you just don't, don't be afraid, right? Uh, starting a sole proprietorship, you can do it in one day, right? Starting a senior behind, you can do it in, you know, uh, two to three days, right? Uh, so usually what we will... Uh, advice our clients is you know have a good uh, budget right have a good projections on and uh, have a good idea of what you want to do right and then you know take the first step right um, I guess just go for it right um, if your numbers make sense uh, and, and, and look for resources online right there's so many resources online uh, and, and speak to more people right uh, if for example if you want to do an F&B business right um, you know, speak to other F&B entrepreneurs right uh, your peers um because you will need the support structure, uh, especially for your first first couple of years, right? To to pull you through it, uh, and and don't be afraid. I think I think the startup community has been very very supportive, um, and, and everybody is just uh so happy to help each other. I think if you have any questions, so yeah, just just take take the first step and 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 don't worry, <laughs> just just go ahead. Exciting times. What about you, Adam? Any advice you'd like to share for aspiring uh, entrepreneurs and uh, new business owners? Yeah, I, I, I think just to top up to Peon's point, right? I mean, we are in an era that, you know, there are a lot of knowledge sharing on platforms, you know, uh, be it Facebook, whatever. So it is good before you actually set up the entity per se, it's good to reach out to do the market research, to do your own studies and reach out to mentors and the industry group, right? Via a variety of ways. So so that you, you have a good support group when you start. And I think for, for anyone who just started, the, 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 the knowledge sharing and the support will be very important. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. For our listeners tuning in who would like to get in touch with you um, and to learn more about your services, is there a website that they can go to? How can they contact you? Sure. I think our, our, our website is, pre, is uh, wecorporate.com.my. Um, so you'll be able to Google and, and search us. Yeah. All right. And if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. I've been speaking with Adam Tay and Lim Pei Hao from We Corporate. My name is Audrey Raj and this has been Resource Center on BFM 89.9.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.